Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Today's episode is number 346 of the Mail Right Show. John and I have been doing this for um, over 100 shows together at this point, probably more. It's pretty incredible when you think about it. Um, John, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself uh, to uh, anybody that's tuning in today? Yeah, sure. I'm the joint founder of mail-right.com. We build great websites for real estate agents on WordPress and a suite of marketing tools that help you market yourself online. Back over to you, Rob. Beautiful. So, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to talk about Facebook or Google, which is better for generating leads. All right. It's a hot button topic. It's uh, something we discussed on the show quite a few times. If you're tuning in, you're listening uh, put in, you know, perk your ears up because John and I come from very different positions on this and we've oftentimes had some fun conversations. Well, some of our positions are different, not all of them, yeah. but we've, we've have different views on these types of lead generation uh, mechanisms. So John, you've historically, you've died, dove over the last few years a little deeper into Facebook. Am I, do you feel that is correct than Google? Yeah, I think initially, um, I think because because Google, the cost difference initially, I think that cost difference has merged to some extent because I think Facebook could just put their prices up. Um, I think that's the main thing. And also, I think the other thing is, as we've discussed on a few episodes, Google local search and the lead generative element, they've changed that quite a bit and it's matured a bit. And I think, but you never know, Google, on that side of things, they've got, um, looks like a product which they're reasonably happy with, but who knows? So maybe they're not going to totally change it again in the next six months. Okay, are you talking about, you're talking about Facebook or or? Google. Google, when it comes to paid, their paid local product. Gotcha. Well, they change it. What, what I think frustrates and confuses people, and certainly is definitely a con in the Google side of the conversation, is the complexity and depth in which they change their tools. Now, currently, they're they're involved in one of the biggest client-facing updates that they've done in a very long time. And as with so many other things that they do, it's a forced update. Which, which I am none too pleased with. And that is in the area of Google Analytics. They're mm-hmm. moving everybody on to what they're calling G4 off of something that they used to call Universal Analytics. And it is so far, as with so many other things, it seems intuitive, but um, it is once again a big tool that they're forcing you to relearn because they updated it. And very few people have the time to... Um, keep up to date with their current toolkit. So every time they change something, they are for, like a forced upgrade. They're they're for. I mean, they're keeping me in a job is what they're doing. I mean, I'm not. I, ultimately, I guess I, I I should not be complaining because if they weren't so complex, if there wasn't so many things that they were constantly doing, constantly updating, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a lucrative career. But because they constantly update things, including their paid advertising, guys like me have a career. And it is definitely, without question, for all of our listeners, a con. 
if you're frustrated, you join a very, very, very long line of people who feel exactly the same as you do. However, forced upgrades or forced updates, whether they be from lawsuits like on Facebook side or they be, be from some desire for Google to constantly be impressive, like um, perfecting its tools, then you know you're going to have to deal with it someplace. These these advertising mechanisms, Facebook and Google. If you want to do a do-it-yourself like lead generation toolkit, chances are strong you're going to include one of these two mammoth technology companies as part of your strategy. Would you agree with that, John? Oh, yeah. I think if you're going down the paid, there's other companies like Zillow and other people, but these in the technology that combines real estate, they are the you know the two mammoth. They, they make Zillow look small, don't they? Yeah. They really, they re- well, they do. They absolutely make Zillow look small. Like both these companies have like 50, 75 billion in capitalization, maybe even more, like probably more and probably missing a lot of it. And Zillow is like a $1 billion company. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you could fit a hundred Zillows into a Google and probably 50 Zillows into a Facebook. Now, having said that, ladies and generation, without any other equivocation, just in case you have never tuned in to us before, I am a Google guy. Google, okay? I That's where I focus all of my efforts, my time and attention, and I think that they generate much better leads for real estate than Facebook without equivocation. But I, I acknowledge consistently and throughout all the shows that John and I have done together that there is a place for very creative, very talented Facebook marketers inside of generating leads. But I am going to give you all an analogy, and I warned John that I would do this at the beginning of the show. Here's my frustration with all low lead generation strategies, which, by the way, can also be done with Google. They're just not as low quality. But here's here's where... You, as a person who's trying to generate leads, have to make the decision. You should make it from an informed perspective, and you should make it early on. The decision is this. So I was—I am a member of the Wailopo Success Community, and uh, I follow their their posts fairly frequently, especially when Aaron Franklin, Gigi Fun, or Howard Tager update the group. I pay a lot of attention to what those three humans are doing, which are the founders of, uh, well, Two of them are the founders of Tiger Leads, and one is the head of their business development section and their sales department, all that different stuff. So here's the thing. They had a customer jump in and say that over the last 13 months, their number one, at the, like the amount, length of time that it took for a lead to close was 13 months. That was average. And Ji Jifeng jumped in on that and said, you know, Yay. And here's here's what I want to make the point of. This person who did the post wrote a very long explanation of how they, they work their leads. They generate them through Ilopo, Raya's texting them. They've got IDX updates coming in. And they have a person on the phone following up with the lead the whole time. Okay, that is a very strong, what I would call pull marketing tactic. Okay. You are constantly in touch with your lead. In order to be doing that, you must have many layers of 
technology stack. And for those of you who can't hear him, John is nodding. You have to have very many layers of technology stack to make that happen. Every single layer, there is a cost. And there is you can eventually get all these systems to run autonomously, but it does take a lot of time and effort. For my money, when it comes to all that time and effort and making all those systems work right, I'd rather put that time into creating good content and apply. I'm sorry, I got it wrong. I, I was saying poll. It's actually poll is uh, my type of marketing inbound. Push is what I was talking about previously. Poll is where you're not keeping in touch with somebody because you're hammering them with text messages or phone calls or whatever it is. You're keeping in touch with them because you've got great information for them about the neighborhoods they're interested in. You're updating them. You're sending them emails. It's very passive. Like you're not necessarily tracking them. You're not necessarily calling them every... When they call you, they're within 30 to 60 days of being ready and you do the deal. Okay, the lead is far more qualified. You're just nurturing it a different way. You're nurturing it with information as opposed to with all this push or pull methodology because somebody signed up for uh, a form on Facebook you know, 13 months ago and now they become a client. I'm Both types of marketing work. Wailopo is a testament to systematic success. They've built a lot of great systems. All of those systems lock you into them. Every time you buy a piece of technology that does all of this automated um, push type of marketing, you're usually getting locked into a system. The people who create the systems, like John, they have to do it that way. Okay, They have to lock the system down. He's nodding again. He's had to explain this to me. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm not saying this to be contentious. I really didn't understand. Okay. I'm, I didn't. And he explained it to me. Once you give certain types of keys out, somebody can easily copy what you've spent so much time, energy, and money building. You can obviously be less egregious about the way that people like access that system. Like Boomtown says, hey, the second of the system generates the lead, the data is ours. We own it. Anything beyond what you do with it, you have to ask our permission. And John doesn't do that. Okay, I, I don't think. Am I correct? No, uh, you're right. But I think what you – is a difficult thing to explain, explain this. I'm, I just want to put this to you. I think because of um, intent, the intent of the person, the intent, when they put a search term, they're looking for something. They're looking for information probably linked to buying something, buying a house, buying a car, buying a refrigeration, whatever it is, they, they're putting a search in. So they're further along the purchasing journey, right? And because of that, it's normally more expensive to use Google because where Facebook, when when Facebook entered the paid advertising people said well it will never work because um people aren't searching they're consuming but what goo what they didn't understand with facebook facebook had all this knowledge this gathering of so they could micro focus your adverts you could target your adverts at a very micro level and and long as you put the right message in front in front of the right people and then followed through which you've just talked about and they did it at a cheaper price 
when they started then Google. So it was quite attractive to the real estate industry. The prices have merged, but then you had this whole problem that Facebook has faced over the past 18 months of what Apple decided to do, which anybody utilising the iPhone and the Apple ecosystem, Apple cut off all that data to Facebook and it's caused Facebook some major problems. Um, They're attempting to overcome those problems, but it's caused Facebook a lot of problems. Correct. Because Apple has 80% of the mobile user base and mobility is where Facebook makes its money. So this isn't a small problem. This is a big problem. When 80% of your audience, like you get not access, you're going to have some challenges. But despite that, um, I'm going to be, we're going to come back from break. We're going to go to break and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to, I'm going to ask John to talk about some of the things that he thinks that Facebook is still very good at doing or has done well in the past, so on and so forth. Um, I'm going to make a couple of suggestions that get around the cell phone concept. Um, so we're going to see, we're going to see what you all think. Anyway, stay tuned. Don't go away. If you're someplace where you're watching us on a, a service that allows for a thumbs up or a comment, please give us one. And if not, then enjoy your drives to the sweet, dulcet tones of my voice talking to you about real estate marketing. All right, we'll check. We'll catch you in a second. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRight. It is a powerful but easy to use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no question asked 30-day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I got a good laugh out of Jonathan today, so my mission for the show is accomplished. I think I may even have a couple of tears coming out of his eyes. No joke. I hope some of you tune in for YouTube so you can see this phenomenon yourself. It's pretty incredible. So, John, now that I've got you all riled up, shaking you like a jar of bees. Riled up. You might be laughing. Um, now that I've got you laughing, shaking you like a jar of bees, um, I will say... Why don't, uh, why don't you share with people some of the reasons that you used to engage with Facebook and any thoughts that you have about them currently? Well, you know, it, it used to work as long as you had you, you did the follow-through. They were cheaper leads, but their quality, their position in the road of purchase or selling was further up, further up than a typical digital lead obtained through Google. Not always, but in in generality, I might be wrong here, I'd be interested in your thoughts, but generally it was recognised that a a Google lead through paid placement, you put your advert and it was shown on page one when they they did a popular search term, that would generate, you know, depending on the price, but generally, if you could afford it and it made sense, that lead would be further down the road of doing something where where the Facebook lead tends to be further upstream. So it used to be cheaper, but then you had to keep in contact with it. You had to have systems of texting, 
phone calling, sending emails to them, keeping them, keeping that, fostering some kind of replacement, preferably having a conversation with them, and then for, then sending them relevant content based on the conversation you had with them. But they tended to be further up the upstream, and there was going to be a larger time before so many of those potential leads would turn into a real commission check. Um, and a lot of people aren't are impatient, you know, they or they just haven't they need a result now. If you need a result now, you'd probably be best looking at Zillow or looking at Google, the Google local paid service, or there's other services where they take a very large percentage, but they qualify the lead to a high level, don't they? There's a number of these. So, yeah, that's my thoughts about it. Okay. I think all those thoughts are valid. I think the um, the challenges that they're having with Apple and many other lawsuits, I think, are big challenges, not small. Yeah. Capital, capital B, big. Um, where this affects advertisers is large-scale advertisers doing uh, big e-commerce things. Uh, there's going to be a challenge. It does to some degree affect us here in real estate in terms of targeting, especially if you were doing broad match targeting. Now, where it doesn't affect us at all is that there is there's always been a ability to upload a list of uh, consumers through email addresses and information. So you already have a contact list and then you can advertise to that list or similar people like them. Now, Facebook has all of its data, and these changes are relatively recent. So they still have a very good profile of most of the people that use the platform, which means that similar or, or audience match features are probably still pretty accurate. And what does, that, what does that mean? That means that some of my favorite strategies of using Facebook, which are uh, in tandem with the kind of lead generation that I like to do, um, is uploading audiences that you already have so people that already know who you are okay and then you stay in front of that audience with like a like a piece of information and if they click on it they're still consuming your information and whether or not they decide to use you for something that's another question but you're still staying in front of them which is the same method as sending an email or or texting them or calling them it's just a little bit more passive they get the choice to click on the the, the ad as opposed to they have to consciously um, and they get the choice to click on the email too, I suppose. So emailing, but text messages, I feel like they're more invasive. I don't know why. John, is that weird? I I, I agree with you, but the invasiveness is why it's effective. So there's always a balance, isn't there? Um, okay. So, well, just maybe I'm sensitive to it. Like, ladies and gentlemen who are listening to the show, maybe, you know, we we as marketers, we have our sensitivities. John and I both do, okay? And they affect how we communicate about things. So I encourage you to just, you know, put on your free thinking cap and not necessarily take us to the letter of every single thing we, we say. I don't like to be texted. Anybody that's texting me is probably out as a vendor for me. Full stop, no doubt about it. Like, I, I hate it that much. You text me, you're done. I don't care if I express some interest prior. Like, you're done. 
It's too invasive for my right. taste. I know I'm not alone. I can't be the only person that feels that way. Yeah. But whether I whether or not I'm a large percentage or a small percentage, who knows? And John is right. It is successful because it's invasive. But as a guy that did invasive telemarketing for the vast majority of his career, I'm a little bit sensitive to this topic. Like I, I just you but you've got to you've got to face fact. But I'm not criticizing you. It's it's what you honestly feel. But it's the same, you know, you were in telemarketing. Well, that telephone marketing, that's pretty evasive, isn't it? Having somebody call you at six o'clock. Which is why I don't do evasive kind of marketing anymore. Why I feel like I've got data, which most people don't. I've seen both types of marketing. I absolutely feel like inbound marketing is 100% more effective, which is what we, we like ultimately, that's the conversation. What really works? I think the inbound does beats the pants off like of push marketing every so day. Of the week. I'll give some thoughts what I think does still work on Facebook. Hmm. Um, Hit us, John. We're, we're at your feet. He's been something's coming up after this after this podcast because he's been too nice to me. Uh, um, so I think um, retargeting still works really well, and you touched that. That's basically um, if they've gone to your website or they've gone, you know, they had some interaction. It's normally they've gone to your website. Um, when they go to Facebook, they're going to see they're going to see adverts around you you know if you're a real estate agent about the services that you offer so it's well known for the depends on the price um but in general if the price is right retargeting there's been extensive case studies research white papers it tends to work mm-hmm. look alike lists um basically um you can come from your website. Um, if they hit your website, you can put a pixel on. Um, and you can also upload a, a list of people into Facebook and they they will look at those that list you put in if the email in the list matches up with the email. But they've even improved that side of it, Facebook. But then they will look at similar people with similar, they will look at a metrics of different touch points and then they will try and match that list with similar people. Once again, like retargeting, um, it depends on price, but the case studies I read, it's still a pretty effective. Um, the other one is that Facebook have their own where they're not, you're not taking outside of Facebook. I forgot the name of it. I always forget it. I have a mind like a sieve. Um, but basically, um, when you hit advert, hit advert on Facebook, you click it, it, a form will pop up, and you're not taken to an external website with a landing page. You, you uploaded it, fills the film with the details from your Pacific Facebook account. And especially on mobile, it just makes it a lot easier for people just to, if you're offering some information and some inducement to get their details. The problem with that system was a lot of the people that the data that they filled their Facebook account was out of date. 
So you ended up with a lot of junky information. Facebook have been working quite hard on that and improving that situation. I think it's a lot better than it was a year ago mm -hmm. um, because they know what what you said about Apple and especially okay. mobile. They had to really try and overcome this. They never will do 100%. It won't ever be as effective as it was a couple of years ago. Um, but utilising some of the things I've just outlined, um, it can still be an effective platform, but it's all about price, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Having said everything that we've said, ladies and gentlemen, I've seen quite a few inbound marketers, that's people who identify the same way that I do, do incredible messaging on Facebook, okay? Inbound marketing on Facebook tends to be telling a story or educating somebody through a video that you that you that you pay to put in front of them. Okay, so audience audience targeting whether people are you know want to see your video that's always going to be a question. But you know what? Honestly, in my experience, like if I just said realtors and then I had a really great education piece that that impacted all any realtor that bothered to open the video and watch it, like something that was just strictly educational with maybe like the idea that you could reach out to me, nothing, no, no big Facebook would work really well for that. I, I do consider Facebook to be part of my marketing arsenal and my toolkit. It's just not one that I leverage often personally, but is there a time and a place for Facebook? In my opinion, the answer is yes. Most of my lead generation would be around Google tools, despite the frustration of uh, of using them because believe it or not, even though I do make my living off the complexity of these tools, it isn't something that I enjoy. I could be a different kind of marketer and would be a different kind of marketer if Google wasn't so complex. Now, the way that my mind works is there has to be 10 or 15 layers to whatever it is I do. And Google hits that quite nicely. But every call every day of the last 14 years of my life has almost to small or large degrees included frustration from realtors who basically don't really understand how Google works. And I think that that's a little too obscure for a tool that we all rely on so much. Mm -hmm. They don't understand how the paid part works. They don't understand how the search part works. They don't understand how their presence there works. And they're not understanding very much on how Google My Business works. That's just too obscure. It's too murky. And even though I make my money off the murky, I, I don't think... It's Google's biggest con. Now, too many times in its past, people have tried to game the system when they've been a little bit more transparent. So there's two sides to that coin. I don't think that they're out there maliciously trying to impact people negatively. But there's no doubt that when something becomes too well known about how you manipulate the search engines, everybody jumps on that bandwagon. The good news for all of us, though, is more and more, I suspect, that they are getting better at measuring actual real-time user engagement and connecting that to content subjects. That just is a fancy way of saying, hey, there's going to come a time in a day where if you've got good brand recognition and you're producing something that everybody's really engaging with, reading, watching, listening, whatever it is, you're going to rank, which is the way it should be. You produce something useful for the people doing searches yeah. and you'll rank. That's it. Like, yeah. like, and I think that Google's not that far off that mark. Well, 
Well, you're the, you're much more. You, I'm not expert. I'm, I, over the past three or four years, I'm, I think as a marketer, I've improved enormously. When it comes to Google, I'm nowhere near you. Um, I just have very mixed feelings about Google. Some of their technology seem, you know, they, they're invest, they're enormous investors in AI. Um, they're one of the biggest investors in artificial intelligence out there. Um, and they're going to apply that. But, but I just get a strange feeling about Google. Like this, the spider technology, that hasn't changed in donkeys, I don't think. Sometimes I see stuff and it's ranking. I look at it. And I know it's around domain authority and you're not – I know there's a couple of people selling WordPress products, I won't name names, and they're using grey hat. They're not using black hat, but I consider it grey hat SEO. They've mm-hmm. built external content farms that feed into their main you – know, they've invested a lot of money in writing and link building – but these properties are all owned by them through different companies. So mm-hmm. they disguise ownership and then they feed content. When they've got a new plugin or a new service, they write articles, they place them on these websites that they actually do control, and then they feed links into the main mm-hmm. site. And that's and that's why they share, they have a couple of properties that have enormous domain authority, and then they share it at particular target websites in their satellite of influence. It's rather sophisticated, but you would have thought that Google wouldn't know what's going on, Um, but they don't. So you look at the actual content, it's not that particularly informative or long or well-written, but it's great position on Google because – They've been played a little bit. Is this making any sense or have I gone on a... Well, no, you're talking... So you're talking... These are definitely... There's weaknesses in both categories, and you're definitely talking about a weakness. You you take somebody with a relatively high level of knowledge, and you can game Google. I'm just going to tell everybody here you can. Um, Gray Hat, that that what, what you're basically describing without describing it, is a private blog network, which is absolutely a no-go in Google's uh, rules. But you know what? The funny thing is, is that two of the top perform, like two Google engineers left Google. They went out and struck on their, uh, out on their own. They built some sites, uh, which I will name, uh, under the condominium names. And they focus on condos. And guess what? They use yeah. uh, a link circle, which is also noted as a no, no, according to Google's rules. But Google applies these rules through an algorithm. And in order to effectively manage or monitor a situation one at a time, they have to look at it. Now, here's the pros and cons. Gray hat is gray hat. And uh, if you do gray hat, there is always the chance that one of the 5,000 people that Google employs to manually look at a website and and compare it to this acronym, uh, EAT, uh, expertise, authority, and trust, okay? If enough of those three things are there and they catch you in a gray hat, I strongly believe that they won't penalize you. But if they look at uh, enough bad, medium quality content, as you said, it seems to be getting there because they're gaming the system, you stand a chance to lose all 
of your business. And I have seen it happen. It doesn't happen often. I'm not going to like make, like ring the alarm bell on the show. I haven't seen it happen often a couple times, but each time I have seen it happen, it's effectively ended the business that it happened to. It's not a small thing. You're taking no, the massive risk. I totally understand where you're coming. The one, I'm not, he's in the WordPress space and he runs one of the biggest plugin, um, owns multiple plugins. Uh, you know, we're talking a, a small company, but it's got over 500 employees. It's, it's made a lot of money. And I know he's running one of these networks. Mm-hmm. He's been doing it for a long time. And he, it, the day of reckoning, which you're outlining, hasn't arrived for this guy yet. And it probably won't, just to be clear with you, John. But it could, and it could, it usually happens with exactly what you're talking about, a competitor or somebody reporting something to Google looks suspicious, and then they'll make a they'll make a decision. Usually they penalize the linking site so it doesn't affect the whole business. There's lots of ways in which this egregious thing does not collapse a business. However, usually, not always, sounds like he might be clever. Usually somebody gets greedy and starts doing really egregious things. And the yeah. second you see that, you at, they will shut you down. Yeah. If, if it continues to be in the gray, like low-value content silo sites you know, that, that are mostly referring links into someplace else, there's, everybody does that, John, unfortunately. A lot of the SEO companies that I work with yeah. do that. They build up a property that has some domain authority. They send a link someplace else, but the property that they built up is not not very valuable. Google can't see the difference, but they are getting very good at tracking. At the time being, do you think do you think in the next couple of years that will is that going to fundamentally change? Do you feel? Yeah, because they're already heading in that direction. Google's number one quality signal from page to page ranking right now is traffic and actual like usage on the page. So in other words, if you are getting a link from a page that has no traffic and nothing but domain authority, those links have already been lowered in value. Your your buddy who are, or not your buddy, your your competitor, the person that's that resides in the same space, however you want to phrase it, this person has already probably seen a hit in their rankings. However, the thing about gray hat and the thing that's frustrating for all the people in the marketplace is that hey, he's already got the domain authority. They're, unless they shut them down, they're not taking that away. So honestly, whether or not one or two of his auxiliary sites gets impacted, going to make very little difference to him at this point from the sounds of it. So they could, he could get like kind of caught and then it, the effect will be negligible. For all you know, he has been kind of caught. And you just I'm not saying he's, doing, you know, he, the rules of Google he's breaking, but he's not doing anything criminal or anything. But it is a bit of a contradiction. You you hear this side, and I agree with it that Google's got very sophisticated. Yet you you can clearly see people that have built substantial businesses, and they're playing Google. So it's a bit of a contradiction, isn't it? It is. And as as a slight bonus content, I'm going to give everybody an analogy here, and John as well, because I don't. I think I mentioned this some a long time ago, and I don't know that he remembers. But inside the real estate space, there's a big website that provides advice called Fits Small Business. All right. When they got their business started, they were buying a lot of absolutely positively black hat links, PBNs, and other things that was propelling their content to the top of the search engines. Then Google reached out to them. They got caught. 
They got caught red-handed. Google said that their entire link structure for this incredibly high-ranking site looked unnatural, and they were very seriously considering delisting them. Now, at the time that that message came through, the guys who owned the company had all... This was not a small content-producing company. These are guys that had 30, 40 employees in New York, of all places. They had invested their entire savings into shit small business. It was a big deal. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't have that. What I have is data, and here's what the data is. Shortly thereafter, all of a sudden, I started getting reach-outs from fit small business link builders trying to build links the right way, which is to reach out to somebody, say, hey, we have a piece of content. Would you consider linking to it? Like Basically, pointing to the content and saying, hey, would you mind doing uh, a link? Even that, by the way, John, is gray. I don't know if you know that, but link outreach is considered a gray hat tactic by Google. Essentially, Google doesn't want you manipulating the algorithm no. at all. They, they want everybody just voting the way they're going to vote and let things lie. To be, to be honest, as much as I understand what Google is saying, some of their expectations of the world at large are freaking impossible. Like, what if your content has no signals, you have no, you, and, you, and nobody ever sees it? Google's solution to that is, well, pay for people to get there, and if content is good enough, you know, you'll get links. Well, you know, lo and behold, Google has a way that you can pay to get people there. What a surprise, right? So, like, I, I feel like they're looking out for theirs and you kind of got to look out for yours. And so if you're going to apply a couple of like gray hat things and, and by the way, I'm not telling you to do this because this is a recorded show. And we're, we're all over the place right now. I'm not, I'm not endorsing yeah. it. I am saying this, like, listen, I'm, I am not going to look down my nose at anybody who admits to me that they've done that. Well, it's a bit like speeding. We all speed. Don't we all, uh, you know, and we've all, you know, don't know about you, for the past four years, touch wood, I've avoided it. But I had a year where I got too speeding. We all do it occasionally, and we shouldn't do it. But we do do it. Um, sure. So, and we get caught. And we have to pay, we get points on our license, and we have to pay fines, blah, blah, blah. But that's just... That's just the way of the world, isn't it? It is the way of the world, just like Google insists that they're not a monopoly, but of course they are in the search space. And so they can dictate the rules to all of us. They could they could come to me and delist all my websites and I would be I would be in deep trouble. That's power. They could they could attempt to silence me and most likely they could silence me. That's power. That's monopolistic power. So there is there's a lot of things that we don't talk about that that are simply a truth and just how you build your businesses. You know, oftentimes many of us have to make decisions that are not as black and white as we would like. But um, having said all that, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we've gone our full length into the show. I would love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. If um, you could come to inboundrem.com. I've redesigned the site. I took 18 months to do it. I'm, I am personally... For the first time in years, I'm rewriting much of the content on the site. I'm neck deep in work. And uh, my head of branding content is supporting those efforts. But um, I'm in there making changes, updating old articles that have never hit our top priority list. I just re did one on uh, social hashtagging, which used to rank for everything uh, related to social. I just redid that one. So please go check it out. It's got lots of great information on how to use 
the interwebs in favor of your real estate business. Um, John? Yeah, sure. And if you need any advice or you're interested in having your webs- having your own website, having your own unique look at a reasonable price, plus having a great platform that can generate some leads, come over to Mailwright and book a chat with us. We'd love to help you. Beautiful. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in. If you're on uh, YouTube, a, a few of you that watch the show there, give it a thumbs up, give a comment in the comment section. We will see you the next time.